Howdy, hey, hello, it's McKenna. Welcome to Munch and Mingle, and welcome to the continuation of Passion Week. We are at the Last Supper. It feels like it was Palm Sunday yesterday, and now we're already here. Just as another reminder, we are following along Heidi Anderson's Passion Week devotional. As always, I will be linking it below if you'd like to follow along. So today we are prefacing this day as using the ordinary to do something extraordinary. You guys, we had youth tonight and it was uh, volleyball with all the combined youth. I am not great at volleyball. I'm not bad though either. I'm good. I'm good at volleyball. What I am great at is being the loudest person on the court, even off the court. My throat is killing me right now. We're just going to make it through. Hopefully you can't tell. Alrighty, we're going to actually be all over the place, but we're going to start off in Luke 22. Now to the disciples, this is just business as usual kind of day. We're still in the Passover. They're just like, hey, we're doing great. However, Jesus is fulfilling prophecies left and right. We're going to go through a couple of them, but it's intense. So starting in Luke 22, verse 7, then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. There's a lot of symbolism in this. And thank you, Heidi, who gave so much background on this because I was like, what? God sent plagues to Pharaoh until God's people were released from slavery. The last one that finally got Pharaoh's attention, every firstborn would die unless they killed a spotless lamb as a sacrifice, made sure no bones were broken in the process, and coated the blood around their door frames. Anyone who heeded God's warning, he would pass over their home. So that's where the name came from. Why there's so much symbolism as to what is about to happen with Christ, as we know, Jesus in this case is going to be the spotless lamb. He is without defect, blemish, or sin. Jesus is going to be crucified during this eight-day Passover feast. He became the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb that was slain, and just like it said, none of his bones were broken. God's judgment passes over those who take faith in Christ. We escape eternal death, and Christ's followers are now free from the slavery of sin. Wow, so much in that. So if we go back to Luke 22, verses 14 through 20, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. It's a little heavy, you know, for table talk that I'm assuming the disciples are feeling because we are told right in John 660, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? (laughs) 
they're like, why are you talking about you suffering? This is supposed to be a celebration and you're, you're kind of bringing us down. And this is where I'm like, oh, bless the Lord. You know, he was just, he was trying to tell them. And thank heavens, he does continue to spell it out for them. Christ, as we know, is the Passover lamb, as thus being the nourishment for our souls, in essence. The reason he came, the whole purpose of his ministry is about to come into play. The clock is ticking. How would you spend your final hours? What would you be doing? Would you be checking off bucket lists? Would you be spending time with your family members? I always would think, this is my thought, if I ever if I ever knew that I was going to be passing away, I would totally do Safe Haven. If y'all have seen that movie, I would be the mom writing the letters. I would do it. That would be me. I'd be writing letters to Britain, to my children. It would be a whole thing. Jesus is going to give them one last lasting principle. Jesus begins washing all of the disciples' feet. Now I looked it up because it is 2023. If someone were to go wash my feet, I would feel very uncomfortable. I'd be like, what are you doing? When I read it, I'm even thinking that same thing, like this is so uncomfortable. What what did it mean? Why was it a thing? Feet washing was a necessary custom during this time period. When having a communal meal, the disciples would have come in with their feet dust covered and dirty from the roads. Cleaning of the feet would have been necessary because the group would be at a low table and therefore close to the food. Jesus acted as the servant of the household and washed their feet. We could tell they were very uncomfortable because it was not a job for him to do. They knew that, you know, Christ is the Messiah and he's over there doing what necessarily was the servant's job. And that is where he is telling us, John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done this to you. When we were just at Youth Tonight, I saw this picture in the hallway. I know this picture, but this time I just was looking at it with a whole new feeling in my heart, like that really is it. Do unto others as he has done for us. The other thing that was really cool to be pulled away from this, the disciples were just so like, no, my feet are too messy or whatnot. Don't, don't be ashamed of anything you've done. Anything that you feel is just so repulsive or can't be forgiven, just downright awful, dirty, bring it to the Lord. He's going to be able to literally wash it away. Another thing that Heidi put in here. So when Passover lambs were ritually slaughtered to cover the sins of their households, Jesus stepped forward during this exact festival as the ultimate perfect forever lamb. He was the only one who could do it because he was the only one without blemish, defect, or sin. And he willingly walked to the cross to not only free us from sacrificing animals, but from the penalty of our sins forevermore. This was what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to see and what he's still trying to get us to see. He is the only way, the truth, and the life, and anyone who believes in him will live even after they die. May we know, believe, and tell others about it this Easter. At this point, if you were to do a head count, you would see someone is missing. Jesus has just dropped a truth bomb that one of them, one of the disciples will betray him. Matthew 26, 21. And of course, everyone's looking around. Who is it? Who is it? But then he begins to finish this meal with an intercessory prayer. Guys, really cool. (laughs) Of course big word, intercessory. I was like, what is that? Let's look it up. So if you look up the word intercessory, because it's, oh my gosh, and I don't know grammar words, 
it's not a past tense word, but it's not the root word. So when you look it up, it sends you to the actual root word, which is intercede. And the definition is to act or interpose in behalf of someone in difficulty or trouble as by pleading or petition. Yes, he is pleading to Heavenly Father for us. Well, then if I looked further down, I looked at where the origin of intercede came from. And it said it's from the Latin word intercedere, dare, I don't know. I need to learn Spanish. Dating back to 1570. And then it splits up the words inner and seed. So Enter, the definition for that is to place a dead body in a grave or tomb or to bury it. And seed, to yield or formally surrender to another. You guys, it literally is surrendering to the grave. He's telling them exactly what it's about to do. This is the prayer before I go and die. And I'm just blown away. Guys, words are the most amazing thing ever. If you have not yet, you really need to download a dictionary on your phone, go get one. It's a thing because I just, I love words. They just are amazing. And it seems like Christ tends to tell us things through words. He's just using words that sometimes we don't understand. But if you go find out the definition, it's like a little, it's like a little uh, scavenger hunt or a little treasure hunt. Oh my goodness. So the entire intercessory prayer is John 17, the entire chapter. And I would advise you if you have time right now, pause this podcast and go read through it. If not, definitely go back to it and read it because there's so much in it. But the biggest things, if you listen, you will hear Jesus is specifically telling his disciples he is not abandoning them, which also means he is not abandoning you. As I'm sure the disciples were thinking this too. Wouldn't it just be so much easier if you could just take your followers with you, Christ? You know, leave all the ones who don't want to follow you, who don't want to produce any light in their life. Can't you just leave them and take the rest of us with you? Yes, 100% would be easier. However, Jesus came as the light of the world at that specific time. There were certain things though that needed to continue in this world. And How many people are there that have lived from that time to then? We all needed this opportunity and this chance to come to earth to receive a body. Because of that, we are being called as his ambassadors of light to help gather everyone that we can to be brought to Jesus because he couldn't stay here the whole time. He's given us so much. We just have to listen now and use it. And again, remember, we are ambassadors with our life that we live, our testimonies that we bear. That is how we help spread his light. Jesus needs you on his side. If you haven't heard that, I am telling you right now, Jesus needs you, specifically you. Work alongside him. Know that he can still be there to lift you up when you need it, but he needs you. He wants you to be there with him. And again, how are we going to do this? Don't worry. We already talked about it. John 13, 15. He's given you the example. Just do as he did. You're good. At this point, Christ then leaves the last meal, the last supper, and we head to Gethsemane. Heidi says that it actually is translated to the crushing Gethsemane is. As he's praying and he is asking the father to take the suffering away, Blood is dripping off of Jesus's forehead. We were told that blood was coming from his pores. And I always wondered, 
okay, what? Like, how is that happening? Well, Heidi had me covered. Researchers have found a medical condition where multiple blood vessels around the sweat glands constrict under the pressure of great stress and can eventually rupture. Blood would then go into the sweat glands, which would cause droplets of blood to surface when sweating. Just to put into a little bit of perspective of pain that he's going through in behalf of us. What's really cool, during this dark time, Jesus did have a support system. He did have Peter, James, and John. Those were his core people. However, alongside one of those is God. And that is good to know because just as Jesus is about to see when he comes back, his support system is sleeping. Y'all, sometimes our people are going to let us down. Even our support systems are going to let us down because no one's perfect. They can't be all the time. But it's good to realize that because in this moment, Jesus returns to God. And that is such a poignant thing for us to realize that God is with us. He's always with us. We can count on him. And the biggest thing is to remember when you are let down in whatever reason, because of people or because of circumstances, it's so much easier to turn to someone else, to something else, to turn to Netflix, to turn to food, to turn to any other vices. Follow Jesus and what he is showing us right now. Turn to God. Again, does not matter the situation, the circumstance, what happened, turn to God. As the final test begins, we're going to go to Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Thy will be done. It is the last thing that Jesus asks to his father if there is any other way. But even after we see and we're understanding just how crushing this is, thy will be done. Will we go where God leads? Will you hold on to the faith that he sees, that he sees the plan and he knows where he needs you to go? Will you trust him and let his will be done and not yours? We're going to close at this point. Basically, here comes Judas. Instead of rejoining Jesus, he switched sides and he is now leading Jesus' arrest. Without any charge, a warrant for his arrest, or a statement of what he did wrong, they simply took Jesus away and he went willingly. At this point, it's our choice. We can go one of two ways to the left with Jesus and the soldiers, or to the right with the rest of the disciples who fled and deserted him. This choice isn't just relegated to the Garden of Gethsemane. The choice to follow him or the rest of the crowd will continually be a question mark before us. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.